Welcome to Locosaurus Rex. We are the podcast about all things local in New York City. We got local wrecks, hidden gems, inside scoops, and today we got laughs. My guest is Claire Parker. She wears many hats. We know each other from sharing co-working space for our startups. She also does a podcast and she's a stand-up comedian. So she joins the pod to talk about stand-up comedy in New York City, where to see the up-and-comers, and a bit about what it's like trying to make it in the comedy world. So it's a very behind-the-scenes look. If you like it, please rate and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And for the New Yorkers, go see Claire in person. Legitimately one of the three funniest people I know. Okay, so here's all about the New York City comedy scene with comedian Claire Parker. Enjoy. Parker. What's up? Thank you for having me. How are you? Welcome back to your WeWork, your home base. Yes, we met when I... <laughs> um, I was just telling them, okay, I am a comic and I'm here to talk about my experience as a New, York, New Yorker who does comedy. But at some point when I was working a full-time job and trying to do comedy at nights and on weekends, I was like, what if I also tried to start a company? <laughs> so I tried to start a tech startup and then I like went through the motions of getting a WeWork here. And then because I was at a job where I didn't ever have to be at the desk. Like, nobody was there watching me. So I literally would leave at, like, 9.15 in the morning and go on, like, a seven-hour walk and then come back and check in at 5 and then go home. So I was like, well, I have time to start, like, an LLC. <laughs> um, and then I had to get a different job because it turns out that wasn't, like, a tenable. <laughs> yeah, I think I think by the time you and I met, stand-up comedy was, like, the third thing that I knew that you were, like, involved yeah. with. I'm really, I've got like a real like 80s on Coke personality where like every time I think of something, I'm like, that should be a business. And then like I really follow through with the pay. It's too easy to incorporate uh, these days. You can just fax things in. Yeah. And now you have taxes to worry about. Yeah. No, um, startup culture, like literally anyone can start a startup and mm-hmm. on some level. There's like apps, like, the, like you look at Snapchat and you're like, that's not a hard idea. That's like no. not a hard thing to program. Like so many ideas. That, like, the idea I had was like, I need somebody with like three years of coding skill to sit down for a week. And we can put this bad boy out there. Yeah. But then it's all like, it's still harder than that. You can't just put it out there. You have to like get people to download it and use it. And that's a whole second step that is 90% of the steps. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's no, it's all execution. Um, but, uh, but the standup's going well. Um, I haven't quit yet. And, and that's kind <laughs> of my barometer of success is just every day I wake up and I'm like, not going to quit today. And then I go to bed and I'm like, did I quit today? And I'm like, so far, no. And that's kind of all I can say for myself that's it's also very startupy yes that i haven't quit (laughs) it's Uh, a lot of money down the hole (laughs) um so so give us uh the sort of intro right like how you like started doing stand-up why it was appealing um and like what the early days were like okay well i started so it all started because i guess in college i started a blog that did kind of well locally like in the college and I guess I had always been like the funny friend and I'd always like kind of identified as like the funny person. And I remember even once my freshman year of college, somebody was like, well, if money was no object and you could do anything, what would you want to do? And in my head, I was like, oh, I'd be a comedy writer. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even say, I thought that was like a dumb answer. Like I thought ev- that was everybody's answer. I was like, oh, of course, everybody on earth wants to write comedy. That's like saying you want to be a princess or something. So I didn't say it and I just kept living my life. And then it turns out that's not everybody's dream. That was just like my specific dream. <laughs> like it's a lot of people's dream, but it's not like universal for every person. And so then I started a blog, I guess, senior year, and it kind of went well. And I really wanted to be a TV writer. Like, my ultimate goal, 
I guess still is and was when I started to be a comedy writer, but that's like a whole other process. It's like weirdly hard to get staffed on a television show. You need to have representation to even submit a packet. And there's yeah. all these kinds of like weird walls and bulwarks that are put in front of you. So I started going to open mics because literally nobody can stop you from going to an open mic. It is the most democratic generalized open to the public low barrier of entry yeah. like literally anybody can go and it doesn't cost you a dollar or so you just you just like go on stage mm -hmm. and like put your name down on you put your summit. name in a, on a list or in a bucket and then you get your three minutes whenever you get them nice and they can't like unless you do something egregious i guess they can kick you out i know people who have been banned from open mics but for the most part <laughs> if you just go and do what you're supposed to you can get up and you have three minutes to say whatever you want uh-huh and nobody can stop you from going back the next week. And nobody can stop you from going to every open mic in New York City when there's, like, a lot. <laughs> so what was the first open mic like? Oh, my God, terrible. I've The first ever open mic, I actually went when I was still a senior in college, and then I didn't go back for a year. So I went, like, right before my birthday, and I went to Eastville on East 4th, which is was recently purchased by New York Comedy Club. Okay. So now it's New York Comedy Club, like, south, I think. Um but I went, I went and watched the whole five o'clock open mic. Yeah. And so I watched every comic go through. And then I finally went up at like seven and it was hard. I had written a whole, I had written like an essay that I had read out loud before and was kind of funny. <laughs> and I tried to do that and I just got so nervous and nobody laughed and it was, it was so terrible. I didn't go back for a year. <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad. Um, did it like, you're coming off stage, your three minutes are up. I don't even know if I made it. The thing is, when I went back a year later and started going kind of regularly, yeah. one of my first like goals, like a goal post for me, was staying on stage the full three minutes. And that wow. doesn't seem hard because that's not a lot of time, but I would get up there and it was like I would, like the adrenaline would kick in and I would black out. Like literally, I would go up with like so much written material and I would go up there and I would just like panic and literally have no idea what I, okay, one of my earliest fears in comedy was that I would like, blackout and accidentally say like go into like a def jam comic voice because like <laughs> it would just like take over my body and i would like say something inappropriate like i was scared i would go into like black voice and just, oh just because God. it's like i like would go up there and i'd have no control over what was happening and i really feel like i was just like doing whatever i'd heard other people on stage doing and that's like the most that was like the easiest thing for me to grasp because i would go get up off stage and just be like i have no idea what just happened yeah and i'd be like writing jokes but it was almost stupid for me to be writing jokes because it's not like i'm i'd get up there forget them say whatever i could say and then get off stage and have no idea what i just said and be like all right well my goal is to remember what i'm saying and then also to stay up there for the full three <laughs> minutes and that was like my first six months yeah <laughs> but i feel like this is something and and you i think are one of two people that I know that actually do stand-up comedy. But the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is it's such a process. It's, yeah. Every it's, joke, every inclination. And, like, when you first get up there, like, you just think, okay, I'm a funny person. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go up. Y'all are probably going to laugh and everything will be fine. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it is funny because I feel like people don't really consider it. I mean, there's kind of this joke in comedy that to call it an art form is, like, inherently unfunny and lame. <laughs> but I feel like people... It's kind of like an instrument in that it's different than just what you say every day. Like sure. you can be musical, but that doesn't mean you can you literally know how to play guitar. Or like sure. I would compare it, I guess, to like ballet maybe, and that somebody can be, be a good dancer and have a lot of rhythm and like know how to instinctively move their body to the beat. Sure. But then ballet is like a structured form that you have to learn and you can't just go out there and wing it. And I would say stand up comedy is a lot like that. And people are kind of shocked, like even your favorite comics who seem off the cuff. I I met a girl one time who thought Amy Schumer's entire special was just improv like she just uh -huh. was getting up there and telling you what she thought at that moment and that's not true or even like 
someone like Michael Che who seems so chill and he like he's just talking. He riffs a lot, but his jokes are his jokes and they are going to be verbatim every time you see him perform. Right. So um, even riffs. This is an insider. People have like canned riffs that they can do because I mean, if you do this long enough, people are pretty hacky in general. Yeah. So like if you ask the audience a question, for the most part, there's only going to be a handful of answers that yeah. anybody has and you can kind of like play back the same like if a riff works you can squeeze it in so what like what's the difference between doing or learning uh improv and learning mm -hmm. stand-up like is there they're totally different i mean i guess yeah they're totally different one is like a group activity and yeah. then one is i mean a written performance i mean i'm not super i've taken improv classes i'm not like an improv person but it's definitely about like you go into everything ready to work with your teammate and work together and I feel like that's its own structure where you need like a straight man and then somebody who's going to be silly and you need to like maintain the scene but in in stand up I guess the difference is it's really just the individual you write it you yeah. perform it you create it it's all on you and it's I don't know it's just it's they are very different and they have very different cultures that surround them. Yeah, I've heard there's a little bit of like a tension. Yeah, well to me I don't like the improv culture of like they're pretty warm and welcoming and accepting i think and you're not i just don't know who that benefits <laughs> i mean sometimes i'll be on a comedy show where it'll be like stand up and at the end they'll have an improv team come up and that improv team will sit in the audience and laugh at everybody's jokes i just like if something's not funny i don't think you should laugh i don't think you're helping anybody who right. wants to be a professional comic or improv or anything that's funny i don't think it helps them to laugh when they're not being funny because right. the thing about stand-up is it's brutal but you get better Sure. After if, like 50 open mics. Yeah. Well, 50. Oh my God. That's <laughs> nothing. That's after like 5,000 open mics. Jesus. But I mean, if you're like, w I mean, of course there's people that go and they just keep saying the audience is wrong. These jokes are funny and yeah. they never get better. But if you're willing to listen to the feedback, the feedback is immediate and it's honest and it's there. They're either laughing or they're not. And if they're not laughing, it's not funny. Yeah. So you, there would be nights where like you and I would see each other at like 4.30 in the afternoon at the mm -hmm. WeWork and then you would go do a show. Mm hmm and then you would go do another show, mm -hmm. and then like you would go hang out with comics, Yeah. and maybe I would see you later on in the evening or not, but it seemed like this was all you were doing. Like, it's mostly, but I will say in the day. past couple months, I've been like trying to like work on writing and creating content, so I've been doing less mics and shows and stuff, but uh -huh. like for the most part, I would say like when I'm at like my peak performance and I'm not distracted by anything else, and I'm like... I don't know, and I'm not sick or it's not freezing cold. Like, I try to be good about it, but I'd say at my best, I'm doing getting on stage three times a night That's is my wild. goal. Yeah, so it's like, also if I'm doing like a show and I'm doing, because open mics for the most part in New York City are three minutes a piece. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the 10,000 hour rule to be an expert at something, that's, you divide it by three minutes. Shit. Yeah, you're going to die before you get good. But then as, the <laughs> thing is, as you get better, you get to do shows and shows, you get longer stage times and then eventually you're doing 20, 25 minutes at a time, so you can get better faster. But um, yeah, if you look at the math on that, you have to do three. So now I'm at a point where I feel like I do more shows. I'm a little bit more, I feel like I'm getting more out of each mic. Like I don't have to get up there and know how to hold a mic anymore. Like that's a whole thing. Is like, how do you even, what are you gonna do with your hands when you're right. up there? And I feel like I'm at a point where I can go and use them more constructively to like work on a specific joke as opposed to just, but still like my stage presence needs work. I mean everything needs work. I'm not a professional yet, so I try to get on stage as much as I can. Like how long did it take you to come up with, you know, your sort of comedic uh persona? I mean, I'd say it's still in flux. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't I think 
I mean, I've struggled since I've started with like what exactly I am on stage because I think people have a different perspective of me than I necessarily am like the minute you meet me. Do you know what I mean? Like I come off, I like, and I don't even know what both of those energies and personas are exactly, but I do know that it's different when you talk to me than it is when you see me. Sure. And so I don't know how to like marry those two on stage. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? You have five minutes. Like I just did sets out in LA where it was a showcase set. I had five minutes to do my whole thing mm -hmm. and it's like I don't know in five minutes how to tell you the story of who I am because I'm not really sure which like who either of those people are I'm not really sure if either of those people are representative of me I don't know which one I should go for because like you know I mean I don't actually have to be the real Claire Parker on stage and so I'm like I could kind of like lean into being like a bitchy girl but like I don't really think I, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm still like trying to exactly narrow down how you would describe me in three words. Like, are you, are you worried about that? Like you might become known for someone like you're not? No, I mean, I'd be, if I became known at all, I'd take it. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> Valid, I don't yep. even care, but uh, it's just the idea of, I don't know if I can deliver how much content can I create under a presence that I don't naturally think in. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, if I did decide to like double down and lean into like that character, I'd be working in a character and then I'd have to like do a lot of work to like kind of define exactly who that character is mm -hmm. and how she's different than me. And like more than like, oh, this is a part of who I, cause I, I can be a real bitch. I really <laughs> like honestly can. So it's like, I have to decide how much, how much, what the other differences are and like section that off and not just be like, oh, this is a part of me, but this is the entire thing. And then build a character from based on that and hone sure. it. And so that's a whole other thing than, just trying to be myself on stage because also like who am I, you know? Who yeah. are any of us? Who are you? <laughs> um, I think any early stage startup founder probably has the same existential. Yeah, shit. it's weird because it's yeah. like you're. It's like, that's exactly what it is. I'm just de de developing a brand right now, but with the added difficulty of the brand is me, mm -hmm. and so I'm like stuck trying to almost shape the material I've been given, which is me. So I have to like, I, you know, I mean, there's only as far as I can go. Like, I'm not gonna get up on stage and be like the orphan who overcame struggles. That's sure. just not my story. You know what I mean? There's only so much, so many liberties I can take with who I am, but also I have to understand who, like, so I understand how that comes across and then decide like which way I'm going to push it in. You know what I mean? It's very, it's like hard to know mm -hmm. how, who you are. It's hard to have that much self-awareness. Do you, do you wish that you were out in LA? Like how's New York for a comic no. town? No. I mean, I don't, I think, okay. so the big difference between New York and LA is, New York is the stand-up capital of the world and LA is like the entertainment capital of the world. So I was just okay. in LA and there's a lot of like actors who are trying stand-up or improvers or like writers who are trying, it's a lot of slashes, you know what I mean? People who go out and they do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I think doing stand-up will like add to their resume. And then in New York is people who like eat, live and sleep stand-up. And so they get better faster. There's like this, my best friend, Ashley, you've met. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out Ashley. to Ashley. Um, she started in L.A. and she always talks about how when she moved to New York, all of her jokes got like 30 seconds shorter because she just had to trim the fat. Because in New yeah. York, there's like, I mean, the audience even, not that they're necessarily across the board smarter, but there's this expectation that's going to be very like New Yorker. Like every line is funny. Every line is a joke. Like there's no waiting. In New York, you give people like, a, they, you have to just keep making them laugh over and over and over again. There's no like holdover where you can tell a story and gear up. That's yeah. not how it is here. Well, and, and to your point about, like, filling up three minutes, mm -hmm. like, filling up three minutes with the expectation that everything you say is going to be funny, I mean, it's in huge. New, yeah. In New York, three minutes, you should probably have at least six laughs. Yeah. 
in three minutes. Whereas in LA, I would say maybe two you could have because you could like kind of tell a story with like a fun ending. But in New York, it's like joke, 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 joke. Yeah. And it is. And when the, it's different than any other art form, I'd say for two reasons. One is that it's the only thing you can do. You can't practice. You, you can't practice alone. Right. There's no like sitting in your room and like singing until you get it. It's like if you're not trying it in front of an audience, you basically didn't try it. Right. And then also it's like the only thing where it's like people can't wait till the end and tell you it was good. It's like every time you don't get a laugh, every second you're not actively getting a laugh, you're aware that you're failing. It's yeah. like this weird it's like a hundred is laughter and then every second you're not getting a laugh. It's like a point is deducted. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's like a high pressure, I think. Have, <laughs> have you ever had like any audience, uh, I don't want to say like, like negative story or something like that, but have you ever had an audience that's just like, they're not with it? Oh, have I ever had an, I mean, yeah, of course I've bombed so many times. But like, has the audience ever been like outright like mean? Or I like, have had um, a girl cry and yell at me. That you were that bad? No, that I made a joke about suicide and she uh, got really mad and okay. cried and it was my closer. So I just had to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's also a New York thing in the sense that the audience is like acutely aware to like, not only is it funny, but also like the content. Oh yeah. 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 They're, I mean, New York audiences, Brooklyn audiences are known for being the worst. College audiences are the worst because you can feel them literally be like, am I allowed to laugh at that? Am I allowed to laugh at that? And you're just like, Jesus Christ, have yeah. fun. It's so insane. White audiences are terrible. I mean, I was at a show the other day in Gowanus. Uh -huh. It was like a pop-up show at a rock climbing gym. It was literally all white people in Brooklyn uh -huh. on like a Saturday night. And I have a friend, Fumi Abe, who's a hilarious comedian, if you guys are ever looking. And he's Japanese and he was doing a joke about how fortune cookies were stolen by the Chinese. Like mm -hmm. they were originally a Japanese food. And so to set up this joke... He like asked the audience, um, he goes, fortune cookies, like what kind of food is that? And everybody's silent. He's like, no, you guys, come on. Like if you were to order a fortune cookie, like what typically would you say is that kind of cuisine? And they just like wouldn't. And he was just like, you guys, you're ordering fortune cookies. Where are you ordering from? What <laughs> kind of food? And finally somebody just goes, tacos. Oh, <laughs> and it, it was just like, you guys, I feel like you think it's racist to say Chinese. And I'm like, it is way more racist to think it's bad to say Chinese. Like sure. It's still like progressively racist to be like, we're not going to acknowledge that there's different countries and that people are from there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and comedy is like always at the sort of cutting edge of that and that sort of dichotomy. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like pushing what you can and can't say. I mean, yeah. my big thing is I feel like people get mad at comics for like, they're like, oh, I can't laugh at that. And I'm just like, we didn't invent racism or sex. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're sure. not creating these problems on stage right now with these jokes. We're just like reflecting a reality that already existed. And if you're mad that you're laughing at this or if you're mad that the jokes, just joke exists, like maybe you should fix the problem because like we didn't, we're not like keep it bad for the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, all right. Let's get into some of these recommendations. Okay. Um, so... I got a few categories here. For starters, I want to know about just the outright favorite place you've ever performed and why. Um, I've done, I'd say for me, The Stand is probably my favorite place ever just because okay. it's been, it's like a club. It's like in New York, the rankings I would say are the number one is the comedy cellar. That's like mm -hmm. the best place. and But that is like so hard to get past that. That's like every comic's kind of fantasy is to get past the comedy cellar. You sure. could have a Netflix special and still not get past there. It's like pretty difficult. So that's just like, point blank the best place for comedy i would say mm -hmm. but then there's some local places that cater more to new york city comedians and you're more likely to get on the lineup and are better about letting younger comics get in and that's the stand in new york comedy club are the two places okay where are they um so the new york comedy club just bought a second location so they're on 24th between third and second and now they're also on fourth street 
um, in the East Village, um, maybe right off Lafayette, like that area. Mm-hmm. So they're there. And then the stand used to be on Third Avenue and like 22nd, but they closed down because they're, they opened up. They're now going to be right off Union Square, right where Brother Jimmy's was. They're, okay, they're yeah. going to have two stages. So they're in transition right now, but they're still doing pop-up shows all over the city, which are great. I like Subculture and Rockwood Music Hall. And there's a couple other places. If you follow them on Instagram, they're doing a lot of fun like pop-up shows. And on mm-hmm. Mondays, they have free shows that are really great. And the rest of the shows are not that expensive. And what makes The Stand like your favorite? Um, the Stand, so there's like at these clubs, they produce their house shows. And then they also have... Um, like other produce people will come in and produce like one-off shows and so I've done one-off shows at New York Comedy Club but I've never been on like a New York Comedy Club lineup whereas like the stand was the first was like the first good club like official club setting to like put me on a house lineup nice and so I've just always like that to me has been was like a highlight for me yeah it was kind of a breakthrough moment mm-hmm. dope what about um you have a rare off night. You want to go support your fellow comics. Where are you going to like see your friends perform? So there's two scenes in New York. There's the Manhattan Club scene, and then there's the Brooklyn bar scene. And the, okay. the Brooklyn scene is a little bit altier. I mean, the Manhattan scene is much more club, much more standard when you think about a comic. And then I would say Brooklyn's more like Lonely Island YouTube, that kind of comedy, <laughs> sure. um, which is also great. So like, there's just so many places. The thing about Brooklyn that makes it so hard, though, is it's like weekly shows, monthly shows, different bar venues. They're never the same place twice, never the same line. Like you never, it's much harder to pinpoint. You have to go to like kind of timeout. New York is, has a lot of good lineups. There's a couple places that are pretty consistent. I would say um, Union Hall consistently has good alt shows. Mm-hmm. Littlefield on Mondays has Butter Boys, which is incredible. Um, but I mean, like at Pete's Candy Store, I, like I just feel like there's so many venues, and it's just hard because they're just like random bars, and in the back you find like great comedy. Yeah. But the, so that's like a hard to pinpoint thing. But there's some great comedy in Brooklyn. The Don't Tell shows, if you sign up, like they are all over the place, random places. And if you sign up for their lineup, they just tell you the day of, and you show yeah. up, and those have really good lineups. And then in New York City, like the Manhattan, the main clubs besides Comedy Cellar, the New York Comedy Club. And the stand, which I would recommend. What about um, you've mentioned uh, Creek in the Cave? Creek before? in the Cave is in Long Island City. Okay, um, that's kind of like a co- great comic hangout, I would say. So they okay. do. They're like a really by the comics for the comics. This woman Rebecca Trent owns it, and there's like this whole class of comics. Like, if you don't know no comedy, you wouldn't know them. But anybody who's like scratched the surface at all would know these names. It's like Joe List, Mark Normand, um, Big J Okerson. Like, oh, I saw him on YouTube the other day. Yeah. Like so a he's, barstool thing. So these are all guys that kind of came up through. Like Michael Che actually kind of okay. came up through Creek in the Cave. And so they all, it's like they always have open mics downstairs. It's a Mexican restaurant with a, and a, with a bar downstairs. And downstairs there's a small shitty stage where they do open mics every night, mm-hmm. 6 and 11. And then upstairs they have like a showroom where every day there's free or cheap comedy. Do you guys like talk about comedy when you hang out or is it yeah it's kind of all i talk about i mean it's hard <laughs> to like i mean all my it's all i talk about really <laughs> it's yeah. all i think about <laughs> that's tough yeah well maybe not I means what you like i mean yeah it's like it's hard to have friends that aren't comics because mm-hmm. like even not just talking about like the philosophical ideals of comedy i'm talking about like comedy drama and like yeah. you know what I mean? it's like being in high school yeah it's just like a high school where everybody is a comic instead of a high schooler <laughs> yeah. again like this happens in any insular mm-hmm. community, right? Like it's the same thing in, yeah. in startup land, how sort of everyone knows each other in New yeah. York more or less um, for better or for worse. Um, so, so what about 
after the shows? Like, what is a sort of evening for you? Like, you're done with your shows. Is there like an after party? Are y'all going to hang out? I don't. I'm kind of like a... I'm like a loser and I also have a day job. So it's like, sure. I do this at night and then I have to wake up and be ready to sit at a desk at 9am yeah. in Midtown. So I don't go out a lot. I really am almost like lamely don't go out. I'm like the worst person to ask. I get in trouble a lot for skipping a lot of parties <laughs> and stuff. Fair enough. Okay. Before we get to the last thing, I want you to say why you love La Lupe so much. Oh my God. And just do the whole, do like your whole 30 second spiel on I like can't even, you just have to go, it's so good. It's not that expensive. It's like the margaritas are $5. I I like can't explain it. It's in Bushwick and it's just this little beacon of hope. I just, they have a great patio. It's huge ceilings. You just go and you get your tacos and you're so happy. I can't, it's just like you have to go and experience it. I don't even know what it is that sets it apart, but the food is like decently good Mexican food for Mm -hmm. New York. The margaritas are delicious. It's like you stand, you serve yourself kind of. It's super low key and laid back. And it's just like, and then every time you go, you're going to be happier there. I love the <laughs> corn. I love the tacos. I think they stopped making the tres leches cake that I love, but they still have churros. Uh-huh. Everything is good. The burritos are good. The um, sandwiches are good. So it's just the spot. It's just a spot. And it's like got a beautiful patio that's like really brightly colored. So you can kind of hang out in the summer. It's cheap margaritas. I just can't recommend it enough i la lupe's is weird and that so many people from different parts of my life like they'll instagram from la lupe's and i'm like do you love la? and they're like i love la lupe like la lupe's is like one of those things where it's just so many pen- people have independently founded and loved it and then it bonds people who are already bonded in a whole new yeah. way <laughs> i'm pretty sure that the first thing you ever said to me was i think la lupe's is the only good restaurant in new york yes i stand by that okay. and i can't wait to have a tv show that's like <laughs> that's just in la lupe's that'll be the set uh-huh Dangerous hill to die on in New York, but go for it. No, it, it's the best. It's the only one. Everything uh, else sucks. <laughs> Actually, we just found a new place called Millie's in Bushwick that's Cuban food, and we also oh, really like that place. Um, uh, My guy at the gym, his name is Deshaun, mm-hmm. loves Millie's. He locusoured this place. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell that. Ashley. Ashley just met the, one of the co-founders at like some random yeah. like event for startups. See? And she was like, I love, we just discovered Millie's. It's been a few blocks from our apartment this whole time. And we can't believe we've been ignoring it. I feel like if, this is not insane, but I love Cuban food in the winter and I like Mexican food in the summer. <laughs> wow. I just feel like Cuban is like heavier. Not by that. Um, okay. Before we go, mm-hmm. pitch like whatever million projects that you're working on. Like oh what do you gosh. want these people to like? Well, if you want to know why me and Simon are friends and know each other, <laughs> you can download Amiji. It's still yep. on the app store. I use it. I use it regularly. I recently got a puppy and I started taking pictures of my puppy. So now whenever I need something from people, I'll send like a little puppy Amiji. There you go. No, <laughs> it, it works. It's E-M-E-J-I. It's only for um, iPhones, but you could download it. Um, if you really want to support me, I have my own podcast. It's yes. called Hold On One Second. We're talking about Britney Spears. If you look up Britney Spears in the i in the like um, Apple iPod or what is this called podcast? The, oh no, the yeah, pod yeah, the store. podcast store. It's the, like the first one that pops up. Um, it's fun. You'll like it even if you don't like Britney. We really just talk and laugh and speculate about pop culture. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good read. Listen. Yeah, it's a good listen. Good <laughs> we don't read. Please don't come expecting us to read. <laughs> we won't do any fact checking (laughs) dope uh claire this was a good time thank you thanks for having me okay big thanks to claire for coming on the podcast you can find her at an open mic near you and i'll put a link to her podcast on the webpage. it's legitimately 10 times funnier than this one that's it for us this week 
for more Locusaur, hit us up on social at Team Locusaur across the board. And of course, find us on your favorite app store. I'm Simon Schwartz. Thanks for listening.